0: Luke chapter eight, verses one to 15, and you can find it on page 1036 in the uh, church Bibles. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women, were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large cloud was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Some fell along the path, it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you But to others, I speak in parables, so that those seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil, comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop.
1: So, um, hello everybody. Um, as Andy said, I'm, I'm Ali. Um, I only get called Alexandra at work or when I'm being told off by my mum. So, um, my name is Ali and I'm going to talk to you about this passage today. The message um, we're hearing today is about the transforming power of the Word of God. Words can have a real effect on us, can't they? So, I'm going to start with a little word game. I'm gonna say some words and I just want you to see what effect they have on you. You Don't need to tell me, just let them sink in. Um, Here's the first word, cake. Here's another one, holiday. Here's another one, flummery. That's a good word, isn't it? Here's some more, beauty, freedom, joy. I'll try some more, darkness, prisoner, despair. Now, many of those words came from the passage from Isaiah 61 that we saw on the video. Uh, Not cake, obviously, haven't found much discussion of cake in the Bible, Um, but those powerful words that were spoken were about the transforming power of the word of God, the message of Jesus in our lives. Uh, they're such good words, actually, that when Jesus was alive and he stood up in the temple and he declared his mission statement, he used those words from Isaiah. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim the good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind. So Jesus' mission was freedom. His message was freedom. Freedom. And it's the same message of freedom that's proclaimed today through words. Through Jesus' words, through words about Jesus, because He is the Word. He's called the Word. Remember the beginning of John? In the beginning was the Word? That means Jesus. So. The word of God has the power to transform our lives, and that's a lot of words and a lot of theology in a few sentences. But really, the passage that we're looking at today, the parable of the sower, is really about why the word of God, the message of Jesus, doesn't have the same effect on everyone. Some people will hear the message of Jesus, and it just gets trampled on straight away. It's like a bird snatching a seed that's fallen on a path. Though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not hear. Other people, though, will hear it and it will have an effect on them. We went to the wonderful women's weekend away a few weeks ago and at the beginning, Pippa played this video for us, this thing from YouTube. And it was a, a, just a man, and he was declaring truths about women, biblical, godly truths about women. Um, and it was really encouraging. It was called, You Are Awesome. Um, it was American, in a very good way. Um, and, uh, it on, uh, and I was on YouTube. And I thought it was so good. And so I shared it with one person. I sent a link on WhatsApp, and uh, she wrote me a beautiful message back, and she said, you know, I just, that touched me so much, I was moved to tears. Um, I sent the link to another friend who's not quite sure about Jesus. And uh, she sent me a message back saying, well, that was mansplaining, if ever I've heard it. Sometimes the seed is snatched away, but sometimes it grows. So the first message for us is that really the farmer, when he plants, when he sows, he doesn't do a test patch in the corner of a field to see if it's going to take... He scatters. The farmer scatters. And that's the word of God. The word of God needs to be scattered. It's a word. It needs to be spoken. It needs to be written. It needs to be read. It needs to be heard. It needs to be scattered. So the first message for us today, really, is that the word of God, the message of God needs to be scattered. And if we get an opportunity to scatter... An opportunity to share a WhatsApp link, to tell somebody our story, to give them a Bible, to put a little Bible verse in a birthday card. We just need to scatter. We just need to scatter and not worry about whether it's going to grow because that's not our job. Our job is to scatter. So this passage is often taken as um, a message about evangelism, how the word, the message of Jesus is shared and how sometimes it takes and sometimes it doesn't. But what I, I really want to talk to you today is not just a message about how people hear about Jesus for the first time, whether or not they take it, but it's really about how the Word of God then grows in the life of a believer. And this passage uses wonderful images that the Word is like a seed, and there are things that can stop that seed growing. It talks about weeds. The message of Jesus can be, cannot grow because it can be choked by worries or riches or lack of riches or pleasures. Let's call them distractions. Let's call them an iPhone. That sunk in a few people. Um, it also talks about rocks. There are things, these are the things that are hidden, the things that other people don't see, the stuff that's buried deep inside, those are the things that can really prevent the roots of faith growing. You could have been coming to church for years, following Jesus for a long time, but you, in a way, your faith may not have really actually dug that deep. Or every time you find those difficult bits in the Bible, they, just, they touch on the deep, buried, secret, painful, difficult things in our hearts. Or maybe you spent a lifetime hiding them, they're not there, and you've never really reconciled those difficult things with your faith. The problem with that is the same problem that faces a plant, because to grow, a plant needs roots, because the roots sustain its growth. So I want to think about what are the roots, what are the things that stop the roots of our faith growing? Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody teaches me something, i like to have a little practical demonstration. So I've brought with me, um, I've brought with me a visual, two visual aids. I've got a seed and a rock. And I'm going to give you some seeds, some words of truth, and we're going to think about the rocks that might interfere in the growth of those seeds. Here's the first one. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not die but shall have eternal life. For God so loved the world. What if you carry around with you a deep rock of feeling of unloveliness, of unworthiness, of shame, of guilt? Are you going to really let that truth, the truth that God loves you so much, he loves you so much, although you are unlovely, he loves you so much, he would die for you, he loves you so much, he would let his perfect, precious son die for you. That rock of unworthiness, he died to remove that rock of unloveliness. Here's another seed. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. What if you have read so many newspapers, read so much news on your phone, sucked up so much of the negativity and the cynicism about Brexit that you're really not sure that God has a good plan? What if you carry around a deep sense of bitterness, or anger or resentment? Are you really gonna believe that God has a plan and it's good? Um, Another rock that can be very painful and very difficult is grief. I know that because my wonderful father-in-law died six months after we got married in an accident. I Tell you what, I had some words with God about that. Lord, how can you have a good plan when my wonderful father-in-law died so soon into our marriage and he died so young and he died in that way. How did you let that happen? You told me you have a plan, Lord, and it's good. How is that true? I had to really wrestle in prayer to not allow bitterness or anger or grief to interfere in the truth that God has a plan and it's good and it's pleasing and it's perfect and it's eternal. Another seed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What if you carry around a deep rock of self-reliance, independence, pride? Maybe you've learned through your life, you can't possibly rely on anybody else. You have to rely on yourself. You're the only reliable person. But actually, you need God. We need to rely on God. I know many of you, you're an impressive bunch of people. You could do a lot of things. But the Bible says you cannot do all things without Christ who strengthens you. I've got two more. I'm on a roll. Um, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. Nothing chokes life like money, does it? The weeds of debt are crippling, but also you can carry around with you a deep rock of insecurity. If you've grown up with financial insecurity, the deep sense of insecurity and fear that brings, or maybe actually you've just got so much stuff, a deep rock of materialism or massive financial responsibilities, actually that can really interfere with the truth that it is God who meets all our needs. Mother Teresa said many beautiful things, including this. She said, you do not know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you've got. Amen. Um, Money, financial insecurity, we can honour God, we can entirely trust God with our money. So we should not let that rock interfere in the truth that God will meet all our needs. The final seed, I want to go back to the first one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not die but will have eternal life. I'm gonna mention a rock we don't always talk about a church. Doubt. Do you actually believe Jesus lived? Do you believe that he died to take away your sin? Do you believe that he rose again? And because of that, you can be in relationship with God and you, go, you have a guaranteed spot in heaven and it's going to be amazing. That is the most incredible truth. That is the life-transforming truth, the, the nucleus of the gospel. That is the thing that can change your life. But it's mad. It's, it, takes, it takes faith to believe that. And it's perfectly natural to doubt that. And you perhaps have been a Christian for a very long time and you might be harboring little rock of doubt Now you can try and grow a root of faith around that rock or with God's help, you can examine it. You can ask the difficult questions. You can try and reconcile all your thoughts and your doubts with your faith because that is the process, brothers and sisters. That is the process that grows the roots. That's what grows the roots. That is what grows our faith. So the Lord wants to scatter the word the word needs to grow in us. It needs space to grow. It needs good soil. But wh- why do we need to grow? Why can't we just accept Jesus and, and off we go? Well, Isaiah, back to that wonderful passage in Isaiah, has all those wonderful words about the transforming power of God. And what's the culmination of that passage? Another natural metaphor. He says we want all of these things so that we can be oaks of righteousness. Righteousness. Another image from the natural world, oaks of righteousness. God just doesn't want a whole load of sorted people who've dug up the rocks. He wants oaks of righteousness. Now, oaks are amazing. They are awesome. I've got some oak facts for you. According to my friend Google, an English oak can live for over 500 years. A mature oak supports 280 species of insects and 320 types of lichen on its bark alone. It sucks up water from the ground and exhales it in the air. Oaks are amazing, some of the best carbon absorbers. They absorb massive amounts of carbon and exhale oxygen. That's why trees are probably the answer to climate change, which is why politicians keep promising to plant millions of them. Um, even the Latin name for an oak is cool, Quercus. It's good, isn't it? And of course, a really good oak is a perfect spot for a tree house. So God wants oaks of righteousness. He wants you to be an oak of righteousness. He he wants you to be part of his ecosystem to sustain life for those around you. He wants you to be a refuge. In the same way that my children love climbing the branches of an oak tree, he wants you to be a source of joy and delight to others. He wants you to inhale the negativity and the despair and the anger around us and be transformed by the Holy Spirit and exhale hope and purity and holiness. You are the agents to reverse the adverse effects of the changes in the climate around us that says there is no God and there is no hope. You are the oak of righteousness. But to do all of that, to be a mature oak, you need roots. Another oak fact. A mature oak has a network of roots that stretches for probably 100 meters. To be the oak that God has called you to be, you need long, strong, wide, deep roots. Because without roots, we will fail. The passage here talks about that in the time of testing, the plant that doesn't have the roots, in the time of testing, the plant will fall away. For an oak, the roots are its anchor. So in a storm, it can stand up. An oak with weak roots will fall over in a storm. So God has planted a seed in your life. He wants it to grow. He wants you to send down roots to be an oak of righteousness so that you can flourish as an oak of righteousness in the forest of God's kingdom. So what does it mean to flourish? As it happens, that was a theme of the Women's Weekend Away that we had a few weeks ago. And um, Andy was preaching and reminded us that the purpose of a plant is not just to grow and look pretty and produce blossom. The purpose of a plant is to bear fruit. Now, um, there's an ancient Japanese custom called forest bathing. Have you heard of this? it's catching on in the US and the UK yes, some few people are nodding their heads um, so I'll, I'll explain so what it is, is you go to a forest for a few hours you don't sort of go for a walk um, you just bathe in the forest and look at the trees and absorb all the natural beauty around you and it's got all these incredible health benefits well, the purpose of an oaks of righteousness to build the forest of God's kingdom is not there because God just wants to bathe in the splendor or beauty, for others just to admire how sorted and lovely we are. No, we are called to be oaks of righteousness in order to bear fruit. Biology test for you. What's the fruit of an oak tree? That's my mum's a biology teacher. She's got that straight away, so. The fruit of an oak is an acorn. So when an acorn drops from a tree, it's got a little seed inside it. if that seed grows, what does it turn into? A tree. Oak, acorn. Oak, acorn. Oaks beget oaks. I can tell you want some more oak facts, don't you? So, um... An oak will only produce acorns when it reaches maturity, which takes about 20 years. And then a a mature oak tree will produce 10 million acorns over its lifetime. But only one in about 10,000 acorns will produce an oak. So... God wants us to be oaks in the forest of his kingdom, to sustain life, to be the solution to the climate of despair around us, but to grow more oaks, to scatter the acorns around us to those of the people around us, to sow seeds of truth and light and hope to the people around us. That's what the passage says at the end about the crop, the good soil. The seed that falls in the good soil yields a crop a hundred times more than it was sown. So God has sown a seed in you because you're here and you've heard some words today and they could grow in you and you could become an oak of righteousness. And to do that, you will need to produce fruit. And to do that, you need to keep growing and to grow roots. Now all this talk of growing and scattering and digging and yielding sounds like hard work, doesn't it? This is actually... A message of freedom. This is a message of freedom. This is a message of how life is meant to be lived. It's firstly freedom because it's about scattering. So perhaps God is talking to you about acorns. He's encouraging you to scatter and to not worry which ones will take and which ones won't. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And sometimes it's when you least expect it. Um... Who can remember what happened on the 24th of June, 2016? No, 2016, 24th of June. Um, It was the Brexit vote. More importantly, two days later, on the 26th of June, there was a sermon here given by the Archdeacon of Joss. Joss is in Nigeria, between where the north meets the south. It's a place where those girls were taken. Um, and this man spoke about what it's like to live in that place, to live in constant danger, to have his family threatened. And he had a deep, deep faith, deep faith. Um, I went to work on the Monday. Obviously, um, at the time I worked for a bank and everybody was um, shocked. Uh, they wouldn't see it coming and worrying about the markets and things. And um, we, I, I saw my my line manager, not a Christian, and uh, she was saying how awful it was and what a shock. And I was, I was, I wasn't. I'm, I'm not very good at sharing my faith at work. I find it quite difficult, um, uh, even just to come out as being a Christian. But I was a little bit brave, and I said, "Do you know what? Um, yes, it, it was. It's a big thing, but I heard this really good sermon from this man, and I explained. And she said, "Wow, gosh, yes, I, that does sort of put things in perspective." That afternoon, another colleague came into our office and um, she was fretting about Brexit. And my non-Christian line manager turned around to me and she said, Ali, tell her about that sermon. (laughs) So we just don't know. But there's a freedom, isn't there? If God gives you an opportunity and it's right, um, just drop a little acorn, share a little WhatsApp message and not worry about whether it would take, because it's not your job to grow the seed, it's our job to scatter. And there is a freedom in that. But it's also a message of freedom, because God didn't make you to carry round those rocks in you. That's not how God intended you to be. That's not the person he called you to be. He's called you to be an oak of righteousness. And Jesus, through the message of the power of the gospel, brings the freedom. He helps us through what he did on the cross to remove the rocks in our lives that are not meant to be there. And that brings freedom. I forgot time for a little testimony, Andy. So, okay, I, I, um, I, grew, I grew up going to church, but I didn't really get any of this until I went to university. I'd say I became a Christian at university through the Alpha course, as it happens. And um, I just, as I started really examining um, who Jesus was, I just, I just felt a profound sense of guilt of some of the stuff I had done and the stuff I had not done. Um, and it was such, knowing that there was nothing I had done that God could not forgive. I, there was nothing that was so unlovely and deep and unpleasant in me that God could not forgive it and had not forgiven it on the cross. And God still wanted to be in relationship with me. It was such a, a relief um, the Hebrew word for forgiveness means release. I felt released. I felt free. One and one way it, it manifested itself, apart from these amazing sort of feeling, was um, music. So I love dancing, and uh, any most kinds of dancing. And when I was at university, I loved like dance music and hip hop and drum and bass. Um, and I got to church and, oh, um, trigger warning, I'm a, I might offend the musicians here, but um, uh, when I first went to church, the music was a bit boring. Um, it, it was, this was two decades ago, and uh, it was quite 1970s, and most of the songs are the same three chords, and there was all this cool music out there. But as I became a Christian, God actually started to talk to me that this music was sort of, the, the music I thought I liked was tapping into something a bit dark, and a bit angry and a bit bitter in me. And I felt really called to sort of repent from some of it. And actually, I really grew to love the Christian music and God really spoke powerfully to me. I remember being in church and I'm not the the teary type, but in floods of tears moved by this 1970s rock music. And I really come to love it and I love the music and I love the worship. And I knew I'd change because a few years later, I went to HMV. Now, that's a sentence that dates me. Um, and um, I wanted to buy a Missy Elliott um, album. And I went there and I asked and I said, um, can, I, can I have the clean version without the swear words? And uh, the woman, this very cool woman behind the they she said, what? And she looked at me like I was mad. And she said to me, are you sure? And I said, yeah, she has got less songs on it. And I said, no, no, that's, that's the one I want. I just wanted to enjoy that music without the, the dark bits that were unhelpful for me. And I felt really that that was a process where God had just, he had changed me and he had brought a freedom. And I felt totally cool being dismissed by this um, teenager in HMV. It was was a sense of freedom. So it's just one example that, that this is a message of freedom. When we allow God to heal us of the rocks of doubt or anger or guilt or shame or unworthiness or insecurity, that is freedom, that is how life is meant to be lived. That is why, how when we become the oaks that God has called us to be. And how do we do that? How does that process happen? It happens through words. It's about words again. When we hear the word of God, when we read it, and when we really hear it, those who have ears, let them hear. When we read it and we really see it, when we hear it and we see it and we reflect on it and we grapple with it and we let God show us the rocks and then we pray and we ask for his forgiveness, we repent and then we allow, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God to heal us. Words, reflection, repentance, forgiveness, healing. That is a lot of churchy words, isn't it? I think we should call it today. Let's call it gardening. Let's call it gardening. And there's going to be um, a time for a spot of gardening this morning. I think after we've finished. So whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I just wonder what, what what Jesus is saying to you today. What's the state of the soil of your heart? Do you think? Perhaps your faith is being choked by things. Or are there some things deep down that you prefer to keep hidden that actually you know are not meant to be there and they not they're not helpful for you and you know they're interfering with the roots of your faith going deeper? Or perhaps you'd be encouraged to scatter, to drop more acorns because you never know, they might just take. Well, I'd encourage us to spend a bit of time reflecting now. Shall I, shall I pray before you come? I'd like to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you so much for the message of Jesus. We want to bathe in your presence now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message of freedom, that we are free to scatter and you will do the growing. We thank you for this reminder that our faith can be choked by worries and distractions. But it can also, the growth can be prevented by the things deep inside us. Heavenly Father, Jesus, we pray that you would reveal those things to us. And by the power of your Spirit, you would help us grapple with and you would help us dig up those rocks which interfere with the roots of our growth. Because we want to be oaks of righteousness in the forest of your kingdom to be used for your purposes and your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.